of a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek, who is very, very uh, strict about his observance of Pesach, and he didn't want to visit the Tzemach Tzedek on Pesach because he was afraid that he would have to eat in the home of the Tzemach Tzedek, and he, wanted to, he didn't want to eat in the home of anyone. He had his very, his very, very stringent. Wow, that's even more stringent than the, than the Pope, right. <laughs> so, uh, as as we'll see in the story, so see, he had a, a well in the back of his home. He didn't want to even use any other water. He didn't want to use the water that was that was um, um, from, from the uh, water water carrier. He wanted to, to, to get his own water. And uh, on the last day of Pesach, Tzemachzadik sent for him and said that there was bread in the well that he was getting water from. And the whole Pesach, he was eating chametz, and he should, uh, should be careful. He needs to have a tikkun, he needs to rectify uh, eating chametz the whole Pesach, because in the water there was chametz. Mm. So he told, told him, he has three questions. Question number one is, what was his sin that, he, he, that caused him to uh, be punished, that he has to, um, that he has to, he to eat chametz the whole Pesach? Question number two is, if Tzimach Tzadik knew he's eating chametz, why do you wait the last day? And, uh, and question number three, um, the three questions, why, 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 oh, um, what, did, what did he do wrong that he had to eat chametz all Pesach? Uh, why did Tzimach Tzadik wait till the last day? And what was um, the third question? What was the third question? What's he supposed to do now? <laughs> Probably. I don't know, it's the third question. Anyway, so Tzimach Tzadik said that, um, uh, we didn't. You weren't here, and, and so I didn't think about you. And because you relied on yourself, and you relied on Hashem. That's why it was because you relied on yourself. Therefore, there's a a limit to how uh, a person doesn't rely on Hashem. So then, so to speak, Hashem leaves a person to uh, 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 appears on his own. Huh? Yeah. His own volition. His own yeah. To, to his own strength. So. Um, so it's really not possible to fulfill the words of the Arizal. Arizal says, if you're careful not to have even the tiniest bit of chametz all Pesach, um, you won't sin all year. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible. But the, you need a brach of Hashem. You, you need a uh, blessing. That's why we always bless each other before Pesach to have a kosher and freilich Pesach. So you need a brach to be kosher because you need for not to be a mash, not to be an atom of chametz. How is it possible? So you need to have, need a blessing of, of Shemayim. But uh, we also bless each other, it shouldn't just be kosher, we bless each other, it should be joyous. Because there's, only, there's, there's another thing that Torah says, that it's also b'mashul, even the tiniest amount is forbidden. Usually if something's forbidden, there's a shear, there's an amount, how, how, how much of it, if it's nullified in 60, nullified in 100, if it's mixed in with something, there's something else that's also forbidden in the tiniest amount. And that is anger. Anger is also forbidden the mashu. So if someone's uh, trying to get rid of all the chametz, the mashu, and in the process of getting angry, he's, he's also bringing chametz into himself. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that Ebbis said, which really, like, for me, like, defined this whole search for chametz. Ebbis said that chametz is also the mashu because Hashem wants to completely free us from this, this, this issue called chametz. It's not just like... The, the Torah is, you know, this, Hashem has these, like, you know, these, he wants to zap you. You have the tiniest bit of this, you know? It's, it's the opposite. 
Hashem wants us completely free from Egypt, completely free from any kind of limitations. And therefore, Hashem tells us, just like if you're completely free from Egypt, you have to have completely free from chametz. You don't have any bit of chametz. The previous Rebbe said the word chametz, chametz resembles arrogance. Just like chametz, uh, it rises represents arrogance, so the previous episode said how much of Chometz is Asr b'mashahu. What's mashahu mean? The fact you consider yourself to be a somebody. Mashahu. The fact that your Chometz in yourself is being a mashahu, being a someone. So, I just want to just unpack for a second. We do a, a lot of things in this war against Chometz. I want to just want to unpack exactly what this war is based on, and how it works. We know that we sell the Chometz. We also know we search for the Chometz. We also declare the chametz ownerless. We also burn the chametz. We also declare the chametz ownerless a second time. So what exactly is the biblical prohibition, the rabbinic instruction? What, where does this come from? What time does it start? And when does it finish? If a whole Pesach passed by, he didn't search for chametz. What do you do then? So let's start with this. There's a mitzvah in the Torah to destroy uh, all chametz from your home. The mitzvah is supposed to be done, the Torah says, on day one. Day one. When is day one? So the sages have a tradition that because the Torah says you should destroy the chametz before you have the carbon Pesach, before you have the Paschal lamb. When's the Paschal lamb meant to be slaughtered? On the 14th of Nisan, the day before Pesach. So since the Torah says to you should not have chametz when you slaughter the Paschal lamb, that means the prohibition of chametz begins in the time of slaughtering the Paschal lamb. When is that? So it's B'yem on day one. Once day one. Day one actually means day before Pesach. Although it says day one, it doesn't mean day, uh, day one of Pesach. The prohibition is day before Pesach when the Paschal lamb is slaughtered. What time is the Paschal lamb meant to be slaughtered? So it says, ach, only on the first day. Since the Torah says only on the first day, so we learn out from that word it's exclusive. In the entire first day is not prohibited to have chametz. Only half the day. And from midday of the day before Pesach, that's when you have to um, slaughter the Paschal lamb. At the same time, you have to, before that, you have to get rid of all chametz. So, the, so what is the mitzvah? Mitzvah is to destroy the chametz. What about eating chametz? What about enjoying chametz? So Torah says, You cannot have, a, have chametz with the Paschal lamb. That means at the same time of the slaughtering of the Paschal lamb, you're also not allowed to eat chametz. And the Torah uses the word Ye'achel, which means not only not allowed to eat the chametz, but the Chacham had a tradition that just like on Pesach itself, we're not allowed to eat chametz or have any benefit from chametz, also from the afternoon before Pesach, the same prohibition applies. So any stringency you have on Pesach, because of the biblical prohibition to have any pleasure from chametz, the same thing applies also in the afternoon before Pesach. Because that um, it's the same, it's the same uh, weight. It's it's because of the biblical commandment to destroy chametz, which includes to not eat, not to eat chametz, not to have any benefit from chametz. So people who are have certain things they don't eat on Pesach. That starts from the time that we don't eat eat chametz day before Pesach. So the mitzvah is to destroy chametz. What if you don't have any chametz? You have to go buy chametz to destroy chametz. There's a question about this, but our custom is that we don't just wait for the last minute of the biblical prohibition, or biblical commandment to destroy chametz. Our custom is that we destroy the chametz an hour before the biblical commandment. 
and the beginning of the fifth hour, actually. And so we're destroying Hamas before the biblical commandments. And yet, because there is a, it's a custom to destroy Hamas in connection with this mitzvah, therefore it's customary to destroy at least an ounce of Hamas. So on the night before Pesach, when you're putting together the crumbs around the house, it's good that altogether all the crumbs are equal, at least an ounce, which is about 28 grams of, of chametz. Because <laughs> you want to have something on the chametz. Why? Because you want to fulfill the mitzvah the next day when you burn the chametz. Oh, you do it before the time, but uh, you still want to um, uh, destroy the amount that would biblically be the mitzvah. Because technically, destroying it before the time is also, according to some opinions, also fulfilling this biblical commandment. Now, that's the, as far as the mitzvah is to, to remove a chametz from your home, destroy it, not to own it, from the afternoon before Pesach. So, how do you have to destroy it? So, technically, from the Torah's perspective, it's sufficient just to declare it ownerless. As long as you declare it ownerless, it's no longer yours. You could have chametz in your house all Pesach, no problem. Because you declared it ownerless. As long as you declared it ownerless before the time the Torah forbids it. Why? Because the Gemara says there are two things that, although they are not, they don't belong to you really, the Torah considers it as if it belongs to you. Let's say you uh, leave a banana peel on the stairs over here. So uh, technically, you should be responsible for it because these aren't your stairs and you, you you've no longer uh, have any ownership of this banana peel. You declared the banana peel ownerless. And yet you're responsible for the damages of someone slipping on your banana peel. Why? Because the Torah considers the banana peel to still be in your jurisdiction to hold you liable and responsible for the banana peel. In a similar way, ownership, technically according to the Torah, is you have some usage out of something. You have some benefit out of something. If you have no benefit, no usage, it's not considered yours. However, the Torah considers your hummus to be yours. Although you have no benefit from it, you ought to enjoy it, but the Torah puts it into your domain only for the purpose of making you responsible for it. So if you don't um, uh, get, declare the chametz ownerless before Pesach starts, so the Torah says, okay, even though you haven't any possibility of enjoying it, the Torah says, we consider it as if it's yours and you're liable to, um, because you're, you're transgressing the prohibition of owning chametz. Every moment that you have that chametz in your house. You can't declare it ownerless once Pesach starts, it's, it now belongs to you, and you have to destroy it. Now, there are two reasons Chum said it's not sufficient just to declare it ownerless. Technically, from the biblical perspective, it's not just declared ownerless. Before the sixth hour comes, before the seventh hour, actually, after, after midday starts, as long as you declare it ownerless before that time, from a biblical perspective, it will be enough, but the Chum the, the, the said not to rely on that for two reasons. Do you really mean it? You may say it's ownerless, but you not mean it's ownerless. Maybe you, you, you have something in your heart that wants to continue to hold on to the Chumetz, even though you said it's ownerless, and because you didn't mean it, therefore the chametz still belongs to you. You have to actually mean it in your heart that you're declaring it ownerless. And since you haven't maybe really meant it, it still belongs to you. And therefore the chametz said, don't just um, declare it ownerless, get rid of it. That's reason number one. Reason number two is because chametz is something you eat all year. So if you're just going to... um, uh, declare ownerless, but have it around all Pesach. There's going to be issues. One of the issues is going to be that you're going to end up eating it because you see it all. You see it all year. It's around you all year. So you're used to being kosher all year. And therefore, the Chum said, "Don't rely on declaring it ownerless. That is sufficient biblically." However, 
because of these two issues, you may not mean it when you say it's ownerless. And number two, you may end up eating it. Therefore, they said, you cannot rely on declaring it ownerless. You actually have to remove it from your home. And that's why we um, clean our homes, not spring cleaning. As a famous uh, joke goes, um, dust is not chametz, and children aren't meant to be the carbon Pesach. So, the wife is. Chas uh, Shalom. So, uh, so there's no there's no mitzvah to remove dust from your home. The reason why Jews do this is it says Yisrokadeshim. Jews are holy because Jews are holy. Therefore, they scrape anything that touched chametz, not because of a biblical commandment or a rabbinical commandment. It's just because Jews are holy, and therefore they want to have anything to do with chametz. It has to do with the holiness of the Jewish people. But from the oblig- obligatory perspective, what are we obligated to do? Rabbinically, you're obligated to remove from your house any chametz which has any, either it has some um, value because it's, it's something important, even though it's smaller than an ounce, or it's the size of an ounce, and it's not uh, so, so uh, delicious. Because it has so, s- such a value, therefore you have to remove it from your house. But if it's tinier than that, so it's a crumb, you don't have an obligation to remove it from your house. You do, it's automatically nullified. The whole reason the Chams say you should search your house and not rely on the declaring an owner list. Why? It's because you might eat it. You're not going to eat this. It's, it's, you're not, we're, we're not concerned you're going to eat something which is um, uh, so, 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 so negligible. And we're not concerned that you're going to, to hold on to this in your heart either because it's negligible. It's just, it's just tiny crumb. Tiny crumbs are automatically nullified. You don't have to declare them nullified. So you're only searching for significant chametz, not chametz which is which is just a crumb. That's the mitzvah that, there, that the sages at the tzaddikim um, said to do. And that's the mitzvah we do on the night before Pesach. The after we do the mitzvah, the Rabbanam, of searching for um, chametz, we still again declare the chametz ownerless in case there's some chametz we didn't discover. We may have searched the house. We may have not found everything. And there may be still chametz around. And therefore, we have to declare all the chametz we did not find ownerless so that we should not be considered liable for owning it on Pesach. So, if uh, we've declared it ownerless and we have searched for it and, we have, and, and we're done, what are we selling? And is a sale a, really, a real thing? They let us sell real chametz. So there are other opinions, not the Alter Rebbe, who says that the whole sale is just something extra to do, just in case you didn't mean it, you have some chametz, you don't know about it, so the chametz should be concluded in the sale, just in case, but the sale isn't really, isn't really a valid sale, it's just... The Alter Rebbe completely disagrees. The Alter Rebbe says the sale of the chametz is a biblical obligation to do, for chametz that you are going to retain in your home. If it's not something that's used for chametz which you don't know about, that you declare ownerless. It's something that's used only for the chametz that you want to keep to Latter Pesach. If you don't have any chametz that you're keeping to Pesach, so there's no point in doing a sale. However, we do a sale anyways because we want to also incorporate the other opinion which says that there is some value in the sale for the chametz we don't know about. In other words, the real purpose of the sale, the main purpose of the sale is the chametz that we do know about and want to keep after Pesach. However, for the chametz that uh, we don't know about, we are able to include it in the, in the sale. You have to say any chametz, wherever it may be, it should be declared, uh, it should be included in the sale. And that's why if you find chametz on Pesach, you don't say a bracha when you destroy it. 
Why not? Even if you found a whole box of Cheerios. Because there is the, uh, a room to say that your, that your um, sale included, included the chametz you don't know about. Technically, the sale mo- mo- can only apply to things you know about because you can't sell something you don't know about. But since you declare in the, in the sale all chametz you even, that, that wherever it may be, should belong to the non-Jew, it should all be sold. So it may be that the chametz, that the box of Cheerios that you found in the, in the back of the garage that you didn't, you didn't find on when you searched for chametz, that box of cereal, although it, you have to get rid of it because we can't rely on the sale. However, because there was a sale, therefore when you do destroy this box of Cheerios, do not say a bracha. What if you um, uh, forgot to check for chametz on, on the night before Pesach? Or you've got one room, or it happens every year. I didn't check my car. Do I have to check my car? Uh, it happens every single year. Many uh-huh. Yisrael that uh, people ask the question on uh, Arab Pesach, and yes, there is a mitzvah to search your car, as a mitzvah to search everything else. However, you don't have to wait to the night of before Pesach to search your car. Let us check your car by the night of daylight, uh, by the light of daylight. During the day, a, a, a car is similar to what the Gemara describes as an achsadra, an open-air area where you can see through the, through the light. And therefore, you don't have to go on night before Pesach with a candle to search your car. You can rely on the, uh, on the light, and you could do that before the night of Pesach. However, if you forgot, you didn't check your car before by the light of daylight, then yes, on night before Pesach, you should go with a candle and, or a flashlight, if uh, that doesn't work so well, to search your car for Pesach. And if you didn't, the next day, Day before Pesach, you are going to say a bracha to, if you're checking for chametz uh, before the time of prohibition of owning chametz, you will say a bracha to search your car for Pesach, to search your car for chametz. Mm-hmm. And after you search your car, then you say the, the bittel, you declare all the chametz again ownerless. Yeah. What about if you didn't remember until after the time of prohibition, a certain room in your house, so you didn't check for chametz, a certain place, you didn't check? Then you say the bracha um, after, before Yontem starts. You say a bracha and you search that place for chametz. You don't say bit, you can't declare onolus anymore because it's not yours to declare onolus. It's only yours to be liable for it, but you can't, it's not yours to declare onolus. And therefore, you say a bracha to thank Hashem for the midst of searching for chametz, but you cannot declare onolus. What if you forgot Yontem already started? So on Yontif, you look through your house, wherever area they didn't check before, by the light of the candles, by the light of the, the, the light bulbs in your home, you can't say a bracha now because you're not looking with the candle, but um, but you, you look with just with electricity, but you look through the house and you find chametz, so you can move it with your with your body out of the way, you can cover it, whatever, but um, you cannot um, destroy it on, 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 on um, Yontif. The way till after Yontif to destroy, not to actually burn it, you have to destroy it. You could, you could throw it in the toilet. Any way that's possible to destroy it. Once, what after Yontif finishes, now it's Cholamayit, and you remember there's a room you can search for Chametz. Again, let's say a bracha, and search that room for Chametz, and, uh, and you don't, if you, if you searched for Chametz, but you found, and again, if you didn't search for Chametz, and you discovered there's a room you didn't search for, you didn't search in, then you say a bracha. If you found Chametz, you still don't say a bracha, according to this opinion, that if it, it was included in the in the sale, but if there's a place you didn't search for, even after Pesach, by the way, you have to search for it after Pesach. If there's a room you didn't search for 
Chometz, after Pesach, you go with a candle, not a bracha, now it's after Pesach, you don't say a bracha, but after Pesach, there's a room you search for Chometz, you take a candle, you search that place for, for Chometz. What an interesting uh, phenomenon, Jews, you know? Imagine searching for Chometz after Pesach with the light of a candle. Okay. Um, the, um, and if you find Chometz? If you find a Chometz after Pesach, you have to get rid of it, yeah. You have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of it. Uh, yeah, to get rid of it. Um, uh, okay, so I'll mention one more, one more and then we'll let you guys go. Um, there's an interesting phenomena, that's not so related to what we're discussing, but there's one more phenomena. That is, stay on topic, okay, I'll stay on topic. Stay on topic is that, they also got curious, so let's say the phenomena. Why do Jews have this thing of they kosher their countertops and they also cover them. If you kosher it, it's kosher. Why do you cover it? And if you're covering it, why do you kosher it? So the issue is that when you're koshering something um, that has gotten, um, let's say, uh, a hot chametz touching it, boiling hot chametz from a clear and touching it, it's not so simple that you could kosher it with boiling hot water. Even using a stone, not so simple you could do that. Not only that, there is another reason why not to rely on koshering it, and that is because um, just like there is a custom to, um, there's a hither to buy everything new for Pesach and not to uh, rely on koshering. So if you have, uh, you have the ability to uh, buy new, and you're koshering, but you don't want to necessarily rely on, on, on koshering it because you want to buy everything new for pay, so you can't buy a new counter. So therefore, that's another reason why someone may want to cover it. Uh, but why is not enough to say you're covering it? So why kosher it? So um, another reason why to cover it is because there's cracks. It used to be, nowadays, not so it, it, necessarily it's every counter has the same issue, but depends what your counter is made of. If you have a wooden counter, then there's a lot more of a reason to, to, to be afraid that there's there's tiny um, bits of chametz in your counter. But um, if you do um, cover it, it's still an issue. The issue is, the custom is, not the custom, the halacha is, you're not just a lot supposed to cover your chametz, you're supposed to lock up your chametz. You're supposed to make sure that, you, know, you can't just close the cabinet and it's closed, you have to, Put tape on the cabinet. You shouldn't come to, to open the cabinet on Pesach to take the chametz out. So now you have a countertop and it's covered. So um, you, you, it's not time enough to cover it. You want it to be like it's 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 cut off. Um, number two, it's possible to the, the cover will rip on Pesach, and then if, if your countertop wasn't kosher, so it's 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 possible it will rip. And number three. Um, chametz, the heat of the chametz, which is placed on the counter, or placed on the whatever covering you use, that may halachically, because it's hot chametz, it may have the halachic ability to draw. I'm sorry, the hot pesach food you're putting on your counter may have the ability to draw from the counter as well. And that's why there is such a custom of of um, covering it and koshering it, and not to rely on on either. That's uh, but te- technically, if it's covered. So you're 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 doing pretty good, um, and if you kosher it, you're doing pretty good. If it's kosherable, if it's not kosherable, then you have to cover it. Okay, um, one more thing about the refrigerator. Refrigerator, although it's a Jewish, Jewish custom to have aluminum foil everywhere, 
because aluminum foil is just he doesn't feel like Pesach without aluminum foil. Huh? Uh, but in a in a in a refrigerator, it could ruin the refrigerator, and you're not supposed to uh, destroy things in the garbage. So using plastic in the, in the refrigerator, there's real reason to cover the refrigerator because there is actual chametz there all year, and this tiny, and you, you, don't, you don't even have a tiny bit of chametz. So there is a halachic reason to have to cover the refrigerator. They cannot, not, and so it's sufficient to cover it with plastic instead of covering it with um, with uh, what's it called? Covering it with um, aluminum foil. foil. Thank you. Um, uh, what am I think? Okay, just last thing: selling chametz. You only should sell chametz um, with someone who has the same time zone as you, or a uh, earlier time zone. Because if they have a later time zone, you're going to end up owning chametz when the chametz is is sold. If you're leaving before Pesach... That means we can't write to Chabad.org and sell our... Chabad.org, it asks you what time zone you're in, and it takes care of it for you. If you're leaving before Pesach, um, and it's the night before Pesach, um, you're sending Pesach somewhere else, so leave one room, you're going to do the mitzvah searching for chametz. And if you're going somewhere else, so you can do the mitzvah searching for chametz in the place that you um, that you go to. Go to. Okay, we'll stop here. Reis HaShakayach.